Welcome to Modern Day Rosies. I'm your host, Savannah, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with Sierra Owens, Treasury Management Officer for a regional Texas bank. At 25, she uses her position and experience to help women and people of color understand more about managing finances, getting out of debt, and the importance of saving for retirement. So Sierra, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me a little bit about your career and all the different things that you've done? Sure. So haven't really had that much of a career because I am only 25. But basically, after college, well, after undergrad, I went to school for um, business management. And then I went and got my master's degree in business administration also. But while I was doing that, I did like a one-year program and I uh, kind of fell into banking. I, I had other you know, ideas of kind of what I wanted to do. I had a lot of different things that I was interested in. But while I was getting my master's degree, I needed money to pay for that master's degree. And so I was offered kind of a fill-in job over the summer to fill in for the HR department at a bank where near where the college was. And so I said, of course. And I, I worked that job for the summer and it was really interesting. And then I was, you know, kept bringing it up to them, mentioning that I'd kind of like something part time, you know, because I'm going to be going to school basically double time to do it in one year at night. And so I, I kind of like something part time to, to help offset the cost of my degree. And um, they said, well, we've got a, a credit analysis program. You know, it's full time and we can't pay you very much. But how about that? So I said, well, sure, that sounds great. So I went, uh, I worked, you know, eight to five at the bank and then I would run home, eat dinner really quick and then go to school from about six to nine 30 at night for a year. And it was tough, but I did that. And then I graduated and I stayed at the bank for, um, so I graduated in May and then probably about November, I got an offer from a bank in Dallas and uh, it was it was kind of doing the same sort of thing, but they kind of had a fast track program to being a, a loan officer. And I wasn't still really sure that banking was something that I was wanting to do, but I thought, you know, better to get kind of on a fast track program and, and move up and, and see if that's something I'm interested in. Can you kind of explain what the difference is between a credit analyst and a loan officer? Yeah. So, so basically, I guess loan officers they go out and they try and find loans for the bank. And when they have a prospective loan, they bring it and they give it to an analyst. And uh, the analyst looks at all the financials, tax returns, financial statements, personal financial information, credit reports, all, all that, all that stuff of the, the borrower personally in the business, if they, if it's a business loan. And they spread the numbers, they do, you know, different financial ratios and stuff like that, and basically give, like, a recommendation, write up, like, a whole proposal memo thing, um, give a recommendation on whether or not the loan is um, going to be a good deal for the bank or or if, if there's concerns on the ability to repay. Mm-hmm. So the loan officer is basically just kind of sales, you know, trying to get, get the loans in, bring them in, and then the, the analyst is more kind of crunching the numbers and making sure that it's actually a good deal for the bank. So you got your job at this new bank. Yeah, in Dallas. Um, they, they told me it would be kind of, you know, a fast-track program. They kind of try and train their analysts for the purposes of moving up. And, and that was different than the, the bank that I was at originally just because it was, you know, a, a small city, a small town. People kind of stayed in their jobs. There wasn't as much turnover. So it was kind of, you know, you, you had to wait for a while. I did that, and I kind of became the senior analyst and did 
deals just for the just for the president um and that was you know really good and i liked it but it was it was repetitive the new bank Mm -hmm. the bank in dallas um it was repetitive in a way just because you know you're kind of doing the same thing you're not really interacting with customers a lot and and i wasn't really sure if i wanted to be a loan officer kind of doing sales and knocking on doors and kind of cold calling like sounded terrifying to me because i'm more of an introvert i I wanted to i don't like cold calls and sales either yeah (laughs) it just it was terrifying the thought of that but you know that's kind of where the money is and where the the real promotion ability is Mm -hmm. um and so i was like well you know that's that's just kind of like what i'm gonna have to do then you know the the pandemic hit and congress signed the relief act the cares act which put the paycheck protection program into place and you know millions of small businesses were looking for loans to be able to stay in business and pay their employees and so that really got me comfortable with talking to customers because it was kind of like outside our normal our normal job and we were having to call customers up and get information talk to them about their business just really like build those relationships and then also try and get deposit accounts um, from them because we wanted you know we wanted that relationship people were fed up with you know some of the bigger banks and um, us as a community bank we have more of that personal service that they liked and so I really enjoyed, you know, talking to them and, and getting them to move their accounts over to us and being able to set them up on on different services and products that we had, you know, just outside of outside of just loans. And then after that happened, um, the president of the bank kind of came to me. Well, I was I was in talks with our chief lending officer about kind of instead of being a loan officer, just you know trying to get loans, about maybe being. Um, kind of a credit officer where I would manage the other analysts and kind of train them up. And I, I had kind of designed a role that we didn't we didn't have at all. Um, and I was kind of pitching that role as this is kind of what I think I want to do afterwards. But then the, tr- the president of the bank came to me and he said, hey, Sierra, like, you know, you had the highest conversion rate of, you know, people whose loans that you did for PPP to making them full relationship customers, um, you know, bring their deposits over and, and stuff like that. And he's like, well, you know, most regional national type banks have a treasury program, you know, not, not a lot of banks our size have that, but we think that there's a real need for that position that, that, that could help us get deposits and just really cement, cement our customer base if they have somebody to go to. And I was just like, I, what is, what does that mean? Like, am I just kind of a, a traveling new accounts person like like what does that mean and so I asked all these questions I was like what are going to be the metrics for success and all these things and they literally they told me this meeting they're like we don't know we were you know you can come up with that like we'll (laughs) we'll know success when we see it like good luck wow yeah so I felt really out of uh out of my depth a little bit just kind of like you know I'd kind of created this kind of idea of what I wanted to do with this other job but I didn't even know like I was literally googling like what is treasury management for banks and stuff like that to try and, you know, I was, I was looking up other job descriptions and stuff like that. And I kind of compiled a list of, of what I thought might be interesting. I put it in a, a job description and I, and I gave it to them and they were like, okay, yeah, like, you know, this sounds pretty good. <laughs> we'll see how you do. And I was kind of like, well, like, you know, what's, how, how am I going to be judged? And they were just like, eh, good luck, do oh it, you goodness. know, ask us for help if you need it, whatever. So I've, I've been doing that since July. Wow. So not, not too long, but I, I like it a lot. Just kind of building a department from the ground up. Mm-hmm. It's a department of one. I was, you know, tell people, oh, I, I run the, I run the treasury management department. So 
but it's it's literally just me. Um, <laughs> but I've I've really enjoyed you know kind of going from there is nothing, there are no guidelines, there is no anything, you know, there's no department, like, see what you can build. So, like, all the success, all the, um, you know, if it completely bombs, like, that's all on me. And so it's kind of terrifying, but also really exciting. So I love it. What What would you say is kind of like an average day um, as a treasury management officer? Oh, there is no average day. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. You you know, there are, there are some days when... I'm literally my whole day is just customers are calling me and answering, you know, I'm trying to fix a problem that they're having, you know, with our online banking system, or they don't know who to talk to about this. So they just call me because they've got my number and, you know, or, or they have a question about a product or about a loans and I'm, you know, trying to get information on that. So there are days when it's just, I feel like all I'm doing is answering phone calls. And then there are days that, you know, customers are taken care of and I'm just kind of building spreadsheets and pulling reports and trying to like forecast our market like different market segments that that we want to kind of try and reach out to then there are days where I'm just researching new products so things that you know I think would be helpful and give us like a competitive advantage to have you know like like chatbots or contactless cards or, or things like that and so you know researching those writing a proposal sending them to like our executive team and then there are days when a loan officer will tell me, hey, I've got this customer, you know, they're they're interested in moving moving their bank to us. Like, you know, can you go talk to him? And I'll say, absolutely. And so I'll set up a lunch meeting or just a phone call, you know, now usually and call him up and kind of tell him about who we are, what we do, what I do. And I kind of take care of the process start to start to finish. That's so, exciting. Yeah. And it's, it keeps it keeps it different. It's yeah. very different. So... So you don't get bored, I'm sure. No, never. <laughs> I had people emailing me on Thanksgiving. And oh, like, my what gosh. are you guys doing with your lives? <laughs> Why are they... The bank is closed. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but that's also that my, my phone forwards to my cell phone. So just bank holidays, all the stuff. People have no idea. And they just, they'll call and they get me. But that's kind of what the, what the role is and kind of what we're pitching is, you know, community banking is better because unlike some of the big national chains you know where you could wait weeks and weeks and weeks and get shuffled around from relationship manager to banker to tell to whoever you know like you can get a hold of somebody and whether it's 7 a.m as I've had customers call me at 7 a.m because they need a wire to go out today and they're not sure what to do or if it's you know on a bank holiday or whatever like they they can get a hold of somebody and their questions and concerns and comments will be heard definitely so you have a lot of experience in the banking industry, in the tech industry, before the banking industry. I know you worked a little bit in, in that. What has been your favorite job and why? Um, my favorite job is the job that I have right now. That sounds so cheesy, but I, I love what I do. So yeah, when I was you know a child, like my first job at 15 <laughs> was... Um, working in a for like a phone manufacturing company they made office phones Mm -hmm. um my dad worked there and they hired like high school kids for the summers to basically the phones were manufactured out of the country but then there was like a problem when once they were shipped by air the high the temperature differences the high level of variance would um mess up some of the computer chips that were inside the phones Mm -hmm. And so they hired high school kids to refurbish the phones, uh, clean them up, do quality control, update the software and, and stuff like that. And that was fun, but that was 
you know, very, very repetitive. And then as an analyst, it was very repetitive and I've had other jobs, but, but, you know, this is, this job is my favorite just because it is creating a department from nothing. And, and my, the actions that I take on a daily basis directly translate to the success of the entire company and therefore the success of like all the employees, like I'm helping to support like these people's livelihoods and like, you know, and, and with small businesses too, that's what I love is, um, cause, cause our bank is pretty much just a commercial bank. And I love that the work that I do and me, you know, helping them, whether it is, you know, not standard banking hours or whatever, like that directly translates into those people are able to go home and feed their families. Those people are able to provide a service or a product or, you know, whatever it is to help the community. And I think especially in certain certain places around the Metroplex, like like those things directly improve quality of life. So like I feel like yeah. I'm doing something. You're impacting the community. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing yeah. something good. And that's always been, you know, when I was like, younger and stuff, like, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was interested in all these different things, but I really just wanted to help people. So, you know, I, I thought about I wanted to manage a nonprofit or I wanted to work in hospitality, like the hotel industry and just have a hotel that, you know, everybody loved to come at and stay at. And, you know, but but really at the at the root of those things, you know, I, I wanted to do something that helps people that helps the community and that that really makes a difference like a lasting difference in the world mm-hmm. or at least in this little part of the world definitely i mean i i think that that banking is really important you know for communities and yeah now now when you say commercial banking i just want to clarify you mean banking for businesses mm-hmm. and like yeah. local businesses or well, not necessarily i mean it could be it's pretty much local, like okay. pretty much in this this area. So yeah, we do some consumer loans, but not really a lot. So we're not really, you know, a huge bank for if you need a personal loan or a, a car loan. But we we have some of those, but um, you know, we don't do mortgages, but we do business loans. So commercial real estate, um, people who who have like investment properties, and then and then the uh, it's called C and I loans, which is kind of like um kind of everything else you would think of in a business so like loaning on a percentage of accounts receivable or on inventory or like working capital stuff like that so people people think i think bank banks get a bad rap and and to be fair there there have been you know instances of just horrible like fraud in banking and and people that really just take advantage of other people to kind of profit themselves or the bank but I'm an idealist, I guess, but I think especially with community banking and, and, you know, depending on on where you go, like, banks have such a responsibility and such a great opportunity to, like, directly impact everybody in the community, so. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit of what it's like to work as a woman in a leadership role in the banking industry? Well, there's not many women in leadership roles in banking. And to be fair, you know, I've, I've worked at, at two banks and both were great. You know, I've, I loved the, the culture and kind of the family atmosphere that comes with community banking. But there are not a lot of women in banking. You know, we just got at our bank our first uh, female board member. She's oh, the only awesome. one on the board of directors. But everywhere else, it's just a bunch of old white men. And they're, <laughs> you know, they're great. They're nice people and stuff. But it really limits the perspective mm-hmm. of the market because, like, that's not what real life is made up of. So why is that only what our, you know, our upper management is made up of? And same with, same with you know, the executive team. Like, I've I've never had, except for in HR, um, I've never had a female boss and and I think in banking, women sometimes get I don't want to say profiled, but but just kind of like um, 
pushed towards certain jobs. Yeah, certain departments within banking. So HR, um, mortgage lending, kind of like overseeing tellers. So managing like you know the new accounts and stuff like that, and then admins and assistants. Why Those, do you think that is? I don't know. I think for as far as you know, loans, selling loan officers selling loans and stuff, that's seen as a more quote unquote aggressive job, or you've got to be kind of pushy and kind of salesman-y. And I think that in one, that's seen as more of a male like male traits. And then also, I think that you know, women may have those traits, but it comes off in a different way. So a man could say something blunt and a little bit aggressive, and it's oh well, you know, he's that's a man, whatever. But if a woman says something kind of blunt and you know a little bit aggressive, it's oh well, you know, she's kind of a jerk or other words. <laughs> and that's you know, it's it's horrible. It's but sad, I think but that true. that's you know, yeah. That's what people's image is of a successful, you know, whatever. And, and that's kind of how it goes. And same with upper upper management, you know, chief lending officers, you know, president, CEO type of things. It's just, you know, they come from those loan officer type positions. And so those are naturally the ones that get promoted more heavily. So are you hoping to eventually like run your own bank? Oh, I don't know about my own, but I mean... Yeah, it'd be nice to be president of the bank. That's my, that's my goal. Shout out to any banks looking for a president. A yeah, a 25-year-old <laughs> president of the bank with uh, very, very little experience. But no, I mean, one day, I think with this role, like, it kind of put me in that. I, a lot of women also get put into the, not forcibly, but they kind of go gear towards the operational side, and that just doesn't. People look at it and like, you know, this isn't the side of the bank that's making the money, you mm-hmm. know, because the banks make money off interest from loans. So it's like, this isn't the side that's making the money. So this isn't the side that gets paid as well. You know, like you're not yeah. compensated as highly because you're not directly making the money. Well, um, I think that's the same in a lot of industries. Oh, you know, like for sure. Radio, for sure. the advertisers and the salesmen, you know, they're making more money than necessarily sometimes the, the talent and, and vice versa. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What was your question? Sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent. Working as a woman in leadership. Oh, in the it's so, so yeah. So because, <laughs> you know, upper management, because the officers and directors and, you know, everybody that's above me is a man, you got to know how to talk to men and um, you got to know how to come across in the way that you want to be portrayed. So, and this is what I tell, you know, the people that are the other analysts um, that are kind of they're not under me directly, but, you know, I worked with them and, and stuff and they're younger than me. And this is kind of what I tell them when they get frustrated about, you know, comments that some of the older men make that, that aren't taken, you know, as well. This is, and that's just kind of what I have to tell them. Like, you've got to know how to come across. And so, you know, you want to come across as capable, smart, straightforward, and, you know, that you'll, you're going to get the job done. You don't want to come across as, I mean, funny is is fine, but you don't want to come across as like, oh, yeah, like funny to talk to, but there's no substance underneath. You know, you don't want to come across as ditzy. You don't want to come across as you don't know what you're talking about. You don't want to come across as you want to come across as nice in a friendly sort of way, but not too nice in the way that like if something needs to be get done, like somebody else is going to have to handle this problem. Like you want to come across as you can handle the problem. So you've got to always be kind of thinking about, and it's kind of trial and error because I'm a very kind of straightforward person and that's been taken sometimes as rude or, you know, insensitive or things like that just because I'm saying like, hey, you know, this is what needs to be done. Like who needs to do, like, but it, you've got to know when to kind of just chat with 
the bosses and, you know, ask them about their family, make it seem like you're interested in their lives and, you know, stuff like that. And I mean, I am interested <laughs> in their lives, but like, you know, that's, that's part of working too, is, yeah. is building those relationships so that they see who I am is, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who's going to, going to get it done. I can handle the problems. I'm going to figure this out. And then they'll, that's, that's a promotable. And I think, I think knowing you, I think that you do a very good job of that. It was funny as you were talking, you reminded me of when you came home one day, um, and you were telling me about how you were telling me about how you had to talk to one of your bosses about some like horse race or something that he was watching on TV. Oh, shuffleboard. Shuffleboard. Oh. Yes. And so you, 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 he was watching like the shuffleboard championship and you had to. Pre- I've like barely <laughs> played shuffleboard once, but I saw he had like this thing about the shuffleboard world championships up and I was like, all right, that's like my opportunity. You know, hey, you know, you're watching shuffleboard and then he starts telling me about this guy. I don't even remember his name. The, <laughs> the shuffleboard champion and, you know, his background and how he does all these cool tricks and like all this stuff and I'm like you know I've got probably a bajillion emails I need to answer but it's it's important you got to learn to balance Work building those relationships because since it's so male dominated men know how to talk to men and so it's like you know this is the boys group the boys you know like like you know how to men know how to joke with other men they can you know make comments and it's funny and it's you know so they're comfortable with that but a lot of times especially older men talking to younger women they don't want it to seem awkward you know so they don't want to say the wrong thing Mm -hmm. they don't want it to seem like something that's going to get them in trouble and so a lot of times their default is professional only and so you've got to learn how to have like a personal type relationship where you're talking about these things and then it's like oh hey like yeah like she's cool too like you know she's she's one of the one of the group which you know translates to one of the guys but that's <laughs> that's that's fine and that's what you got to you got to balance it it's got to be you got to find things that you can relate to with them and share kind of you know when they're griping, complaining, find something that's like, oh yeah, I can, I can relate to that. I'm not, you know, this completely different alien species, like, <laughs> because I feel like that's sometimes how it is that it's like, okay, yeah, the, you know, the boys can get together in the office and they're all laughing and joking and all this stuff. But then as soon as like one of the women comes in, it's just like awkward and professional, like, like overly formal or they're not talking about anything like, you know, personalized. So you got to kind of like break that barrier down, but also keeping it where it's like professional, where you're, you know, you're a professional person. You can handle, you are completely capable, but Hey, you can talk to me just like you can talk to all these other guys. Like, you know, I know shuffleboard. I know, you know, (laughs) I keep up with the football scores, you know, like stuff like that too. So it's, it's harder, but it's not insurmountable. You just gotta, you just gotta know how to, how to balance it. So we kind of touched on this a little bit. What are some of the challenges you've faced in the industry and how did you overcome them? I mean, I wouldn't say that I've had like crazy challenges. Like I've never been like openly discriminated against for, you know, being a woman in banking, but people call me and they just, they just assume when I was an analyst, my desk was kind of in the, in the middle of the lobby or kind of at the front near the door. People just assume I was the secretary and they would come and they would tell me, you know, I need you to call this, I need you to leave a message for so-and-so, what is this? And I'm like, that's, that's not my job. Like, I'm not the secretary, I'm not the assistant. Um, Mm -hmm. Even now, you know, in my job, people kind of just assume that I'm like the same thing as a teller sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not a teller, like I've got a master's degree, like they'll talk kind of down to me about their business and like 
kind of trying to explain like financial terms and I'm like yeah I know what this means this is what I do all the like I analyze I've you know my background is in analyzing businesses like I know I've been doing this for a while ROI yeah. is or whatever yeah it's like so so that sort of thing I think there is kind of an assumption that oh this girl girl doesn't know you know what the business you know side is about so there's there's that and that's kind of tough and then when I was talking about, you know, the job of that I was that I was wanting when I was kinda of going back on, you know, do I wanna be a loan officer? Do I wanna do this credit officer type thing, managing the analysts? My bosses and they meant well, but I don't know that they would have said it to a man. Um, but it was oh, it's gonna be really hard going out and knocking on doors and talking to people. You're gonna have to kinda hard sell sometimes and oh, it's gonna be hard managing people. It's gonna be kinda frustrating when people don't blah 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 and, and it's like, well you yeah but that's that's the job like I understand you know and yeah and even now I I feel like some some people and I'm not not to make excuses for them but I also see kind of you know where they're coming from you know people just say especially the older guys and you know they'll they'll say call you stuff like oh thanks sweetheart thanks girl or Mm -hmm. you know this the the treasury girl will do whatever and it's like I am an adult like you have a name yeah I have I have a name you know, but they they mean well, so you gotta kind of overlook stuff sometimes. Versus when is when is this nickname not okay? Yeah, versus when is when this is... when is this like you know a harassing type thing or a um, demeaning type thing? Versus I know you know I, mean, I know these guys. I know they're not trying to be rude. They're just you know used to talking in a certain certain type of way. So <laughs> yeah, I mean there's, it's tough, but and that's what I tell what I tell the other you know women that are younger than me and in the analyst roles and stuff because I'll get all fired up about something that somebody said you know one of the one of the bosses one of the execs and stuff like that I'm like oh I just wanted to tell him whatever I'm like hey like look you guys can and we go you know we'll we'll go out for coffee or whatever after work and and I'll be like you guys can can gripe you can vent you guys can tell me whatever like I agree with you like this is absurd it's ridiculous like I don't understand what they were thinking when they said that or whatever but at the end of the day, I think change only comes, like, you're you're not, you as one person, and it sounds horrible, because I am such an idealist, and I want to be like, you as one person, the things you say can just change this whole person's attitude and ideas about, you know, the their wrongly things. held, mm-hmm. wrongly placed beliefs, mm-hmm. but, like, it just, it, it's not going to end well for you. And so you got to kind of balance, yeah, I'm going to put up with this thing that just really rubbed me the wrong way, and you don't have to, you know, openly agree with it. You just kind of, oh, well, that was, you know. But you got to kind of recognize that you can't be seen in a way that will make you look like, oh, she takes everything so personal. She takes everything's of, you know, feminist issue. Everything's, you know, I was just trying to be a nice guy. Because, you know, they're just going to rationalize it to themselves. So you have to vent to the people that understand and then go back in and put on a face and be professional and, and keep showing. Because cause even though those comments have been said, you know, to me, about me, in front of me, whatever, at the end of the day, they did put me in this position. At the end of the day, they do promote me. They do pay me fairly amongst my peers. I do have a career progression that I think will eventually lead me to an executive upper level, you know, management type job. And I think that's where the real change occurs. You gotta, you gotta be able to kind Don't of... take any flack from the people that are, you know, your age and younger or in your peer group, but the older people who are in the upper level management positions, you gotta kind of accept 
begrudgingly some level of, well, you know, that was a different time. That was, you know, how it was. Don't. Until you can get to that Until you're point in those positions. Change. Like those people, you know, they're going to retire and, and you're going to be put in that position. And then, like I said, don't take any of that from the people that grew up in a time where they know better. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> their parents raised them hopefully better. Like they need to. Well, and I think, I think you make a good point of, you know, like, like one person can I, I think one person can make a difference. Of course. But I think that it's, you you kind of have to, like, kind of like you said, in some ways you have to put in your years mm-hmm. to get to that position where you can really make a difference. So so kind of choosing your battles over what issue yeah. is the most important. It's a, it's a long game that you're playing, you know, and you've got to kind of pick your battles, like, yeah. And choose, like, the the good of all over, I want to be justified in this moment right now because of this thing that was insensitive that was said. You know, you got to kind of, like, be like a servant leader and kind of put your own personal pride and, you know, indignancy about what was said to you or what happened to you and kind of put that down and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going for the good. And not, obviously not not excusing like harassment or like blatant you know things like that like absolutely not those sorts of things but just the little comments here and there that like microaggression type things yeah that that it's you got to know when to when to fight and you know if things are things are serious and and when to kind of well and I think I think you made a good point like I think certain instances it's like okay is this a pattern of behavior or is this a one-time thing like if it's a oh he made a comment and he didn't mean it to be it was just a stupid thing that he said he just said thank you thank you so much sweetheart you know whatever you like that stuff all right i mean but if you're you know being inappropriate to someone in the workplace that absolutely should get reported and that absolutely people need to be held responsible for things like that for sure i agree what would you say roughly i mean you can estimate um is the percentage of women in leadership roles in the banking industry I heard some, this isn't, you know, just about banking, but I read an article or heard somewhere that, like, the number of Fortune 500 CEOs that are named, like, John is a higher percentage than, like, all the women, like, in the whole list. Like, it's it's something ridiculous like that. I'll have to go back and look that up because it's something along those lines, but it's, it's really low. We don't have another officer on the loan side, or any, like, loan officers that are women at all, and I, that's been the case. It was just mortgage officers that were women at, at the other bank that I worked at, and here we have, you know, the, an operations bank officer that's a woman, but, and that's, that's it. How so. would you suggest bringing more women into banking and finance, and how, how would you suggest bringing more women into that industry? I mean, I think it starts with, like, education. So I loved, um, you know, like, my – accounting is not the same as finance, but I love, like, my accounting <laughs> classes. I love my business classes. I love my business law classes. And then just kind of getting into – like I said, banking just kind of happened to me. I wouldn't have necessarily thought that that was something, you know, that I wanted to do. So I guess maybe more women getting into banking, you know, if, if banks – really make a concerted effort to go like I think it starts at the at the younger ages so you know they need to be going to career fairs at colleges to high schools you know telling people hey these are jobs for you it's not 
We're not just looking for men. Yeah, we're not just looking for <laughs> men. It's not what your dad probably thought of as the banker world where, you know, it's just a bunch of cutthroat, money-grubbing type. There, it's, no. it's definitely, especially in community banking, like, like things have changed. There's a lot of good opportunities, stuff like that. And then I think... I think also in just in in college and stuff because I know all the friends that I had you know the finance guys were all guys and I think that it kind of builds a culture around kind of boys club frat yeah boy mentality <laughs> of the business finance guys you know and like the it it does seem very like I wasn't interested in that when I was in mm-hmm. college like so I think more women have to have to be in it for it to change though you know. Yeah. So I think, you know, if banks could focus on job fairs, community college, you know, career fair type things, even in high school, just like promoting like the importance of finance in general, because I think that's something that's missing from the education curriculum from elementary school, high school, college. Like, why do we not have per- personal finance classes as a requirement? You know, like home ec was required. Like, you know, we, we have to take a foreign yeah. language and art and PE. And like, why is, why is something that's going to be so instrumental to being an adult, not part of the curriculum? Literally are in debt. Yeah. Credit card debt, student loan debt. They'll, they're like, I'll never be able to buy a house. You know, they're mm-hmm. putting their Christmas gifts on interest free. Like they're, they're having to like pay it out monthly, you know, whatever. Like it's, it's absurd. Like I, heard on NPR back when the hurricanes were hitting like Florida and, and the East Coast and mm-hmm. stuff that the average American like most most Americans don't have enough of an emergency fund saved up for like a four hundred dollar emergency. Like if your car goes out or you have to leave, you know, your town because a hurricane's coming and you need to get a hotel and, and live for a couple weeks on you like you can't. People are living paycheck to paycheck. And putting it all on credit cards. And I think that those things, like, we're not emphasizing finance in the personal sense enough for the younger generations. And it is getting, you know, like, a lot of millennials are into, like, robo-advisors and apps and investment-type apps and budgeting apps and stuff like that, which which is great, but, like, you're literally having to teach yourself or just get what this app is telling you is good, you know, advice where when you could have been doing that, I started saving, age. you know, from when I had my first job when I was 15, and that helped me be able to go to ACU, the private college that I went to, without taking on, and granted, I got, you know, scholarships, mm-hmm. and, and my, my parents helped out, too, but, like, otherwise, I would not have been able, but you been able to afford it. Well, yeah, I worked through college, but really, like, I had saved and saved and saved and saved and saved all that time to be able to pay for just, you know, like a semester of college. But like, but like that really made a difference. It keeps people back. So because they don't, they don't know because it's not explained to them. Like it's, it's not explained well to them. Like, Hey, your interest is going to be capitalized on your loan once you graduate. Like it's, they, they don't know. Sorry. That's fine. That segues nicely into my next question, which would be, what kind of information do you think that people in general, but, you know, more specifically, I feel like, you know, we've touched on the fact that there aren't a ton of women in finance. Mm-hmm. What kind of information do you think that, that people and women need to know? About finance? Everything. Mm-hmm. Personal finance <laughs> is, like, my passion. I want to retire early and then literally spend my time being a free personal financial advisor for young people to, like, get them set up on, like the right track early because it really it makes such a difference like compounding interest stuff like that it makes such a difference it's not just women like people of color 
because of, you know, oftentimes generational poverty, having government programs where the government literally said, oh, you're coming back from the war. Well, these white service members can buy houses really cheap, but these black service members, they can stay in an apartment because it's segregation of neighborhoods. Like that limited them from ever being able to build equity in a home and pass on generational wealth. And the banks did that to them. So like the bank banking industry has a horrible history, you know, like it's, it's shameful mm-hmm. how, the banks chose to make loans to certain people and not loans to other people based on, are you an unmarried woman? Oh, well, we're not going to give loans to unmarried women because what are they going to... Or even, you know, you might be get pregnant and then you'll have no job or whatever. Horrible. Or, oh, the color of your skin is not white. Like, you're, you're just going to run off with all our money and overdraft it. Like, just terrible stereotype. But that's changed now, right? Oh, oh. Thankful and bankers have, are like, oh, all these regulations, all these, you know, consumer protect like disclosures we have to print out. They like to complain about that, but it's so like, what's the alternative? You know, then we're still having you know horrible discriminatory practices. So it's great that we've got laws, regulations nowadays to to say, hey, you've got to document this. You've got to be lending fairly across the board. To people who are, are have credit worthiness, um, but yeah, what what people should know about finance, um, or at least should they go like should they go visit a financial advisor? How do they pick somebody to go visit? You know, like what? Oh my gosh, that's a whole like different segment. Oh, <laughs> this okay. is like literally you could do like a whole entire podcast series about what people should know <laughs> about personal finance. So, if you've got a job, start saving for retirement. Literally, as soon as you get your paycheck get a four if they have a 401k if they match your money put in the amount of the match if they're matching four percent put in minimum four percent of your own money minimum whatever they match um so yeah as soon as you get a paycheck like a a quote-unquote real job as soon as you get a job start saving for retirement don't don't live paycheck to paycheck like pay yourself first is a lot of time there's different kinds of budgeting I like the zero-based budgeting system. So there's some systems that's like, oh, like your house should only be 30% of your income or, you know, your debt should only be this percent. I like the zero-based budgeting, which basically says anytime you're going to spend money, it has to go into a category. There has to be a need for that money to be spent. So say I make $1,000 and, you know, my rent is $500, that's that. My savings, I'm going to I'm gonna have that be like a designated portion of my thousand dollars you know I am I am always saving you know 10% of that I'm always giving you know 10% in tithe I'm always you know my food budget cannot go above you know this much money like you've gotta that's a very rigorous it is I do I have a monthly budget and I have an annual budget and then I've got a like a 30 year long-term plan that things change and that's another thing like you gotta not everybody's standard of living or standard of success is gonna be the same thing like I know you know you and I have talked about this I want to retire at 55 and then I want to spend my time volunteering and teaching people about personal finance and doing whatever I want and not being bound to you know if I want to stay in my job cool I'll do that but I don't want to by that age I want to be financially free whereas you've talked about you know you want to go out to eat or buy these things, you know, I'm like probably going to have to work past. Yeah. Like, like so, so you're, you know, and, and then and stuff, you know, but that's, that's fine. Like you got to just set goals for yourself and it may not, if your goal is I want to live in a million dollar house. That's a gotta, great goal. That's wish, a great goal. If that's what you really want, 
then you have to break it down. Say, okay, by the time I'm 40, I want, you know, to live in a house in this neighborhood that's probably going to be about a million dollars, whatever. Back it up and break it down into small manageable steps and say, I need to start putting away into a separate account $100 a month or whatever, Mm -hmm. putting it into, like, you have to start saving for those goals. You know, maybe your goal isn't to live in a million dollar house. Maybe you're fine with you want to rent. You just want to be close to work. Okay. So you're going to, you know, if that's Dallas, probably not going to be able to own a home. So you're going to get, okay, this is, I'm going to live in an apartment forever, which is, you know, fine. And I want to, but I want to be able to travel. So I'm going to save up, you know, this amount of money and take myself on a vacation this year while still saving for retirement, saving for all these other things. Like it's really all about goals and not everybody's goal is going to be the same, but I think that that's Figuring the American dream. Like, best. yeah, you've got to, you got to yeah. say, and you got to sit down and say, you know, these are my priorities in my life. This is what I want. And then this is how I'm going to get there. You can't just like per- financial planning doesn't just happen to you. You don't just wake up one day and you're 50 years old and you're like, oh, I've got my kid's college, you know, tuition paid for, or, oh yeah, I need a new car and I'm just going to buy it in cash or like that doesn't just happen and you have to make sacrifices, but it's better to make sacrifices now than sacrifices in retirement. So what was it? Save for retirement, make a budget. Mm -hmm. Financial planners. Uh, It just, it depends on your situation. So if, if, if you make a budget and you've kind of got making them, you know, have an emergency fund. That should be kind of your first goal. Dave Ramsey has like, you know, like baby steps. If you want to go that method, those are great. Credit cards. Absolutely. This should be a goal for everyone. Credit card debt is horrible. Please, 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 please <laughs> pay off your credit cards in full every month. That doesn't mean pay the minimum payment. That means every month. Your credit card balance should say zero dollars and zero cents. Otherwise, you are paying 20, 26, 18 percent interest. Like you, you buy, you know, a pair of jeans for thirty dollars. You're paying on that thirty dollar pair of jeans for the next two and a half years or whatever it is. You know, like it's it's credit card debt. Credit cards are great if you can manage them properly and if you pay them down to zero dollars and zero cents every single month. But if you can't pay it down to $0.00 every single month, cut it up and throw it in the trash. Credit cards, budgeting, retirement, pay off your debt, other debt, student loan debt, car debt, house debt, pay it off fast. Um, How would you recommend setting like a budget? Like how do people find out? So obviously, you know, let's say you make, you know, X amount of money each month. How, how do you go to, to set up a budget? Do you talk to somebody? Do you just... You don't kinda... need to. I mean, if you were really, like, just so overwhelmed, but they're going to they're gonna charge you. So financial planners, oh, that was your question. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that until you've got an emergency fund built up, your credit cards are all at zero, you're making payments on your debt, you're living within your means, you've got to cut down on, you know, some stuff to be saving more. And then once you've built up a savings, once your retirement is at you know, a sizable balance, then you can kind of, you know, go to a financial advisor and just kind of say, all right, here's my financial plan. If you've got kids, if you're married, that may be different for you. So like I'm, you know, talking from a position of someone who is in their 20s, you know, about to be married, but it would be just, you know, me and one other person, no kids. We've kind of got a plan, but not, you know, I don't have a ton of money in my retirement that it's like, I don't know how to, you know, where should I be investing these different things in? 
But if you're, you know, older or you've got a family, kids, stuff like that, like that, that may be different. You may need to go to somebody and, and then insurance, estate planning, all that stuff. I would definitely go to a professional for because I don't know a ton about all of that. So those, those sorts of things, definitely. But with setting budgets. But with setting there's... a budget, it's super easy. It's really easy. If you know somebody who's really good with finances, ask them to help. Like I've helped a ton of my coworkers and friends and stuff. What I tell them, this is what I say. I say, bring me three, your past three months of your bank statements, your credit card bill and any debt. Like if you, if you owe money on your car, what is that amount and how much do you pay? Like all that information. And then I sit down and I look through there. No judgment. No judgment. And that's what, people are always so nervous because they're like, oh, like Sierra, like, you know a lot about this stuff. Like, I'm really bad with money. Like, and you know, I like, eat at Chick-fil-A 20 times yes, a month. Yes, and that's what I keep telling, that's what I keep telling Savannah because she's always like, you know, no, don't judge me. I don't want you to see my things. And so I'm like, literally, like, there's two, there's two mine. There's my normal, you know, our normal relationship and how I normally, you know, see you. And then it's like, it's like doctors. Like you never go to a, you're like, oh yeah, I want to hide this tumor from my doctor because I'm afraid that they're going to think it's icky and gross. Like, no, you <laughs> want them to see that because the doctor's not going to look at you like a normal person. They're going to look at you like a patient, you know, like a patient. Yeah. And so it's like, this is how, like, I'm looking at you like this is a problem that needs to be solved. Find someone that you trust or, you know, you can do it yourself. You just got to be disciplined. But even if you're going to do it yourself, I would say, get a it sounds so cheesy to call it an accountability partner but get somebody and say hey this is what I'm trying to do and this is you know if, if you see me walking in with a chick-fil-a bag every single day like tell me you know keep me accountable <laughs> say what are you why are you spending your money like this what are you doing I'm trying to get red status that's yeah, what I'm doing <laughs> I, I know it. um so yeah so you, you print out all that stuff you take your paycheck oh I then I'll highlight on their bank statement so I'll get like five different colors one color will be food. So any food, grocery purchases or fast food purchases or convenience store purchases, I highlighted all one color. Any like, you know, shopping purchases, I highlighted a color. Gas, I highlighted a color, you know, different things like that. And then you can really look. And a lot of times that's what it takes for people to see, oh, dang, I do spend a lot of money Mm -hmm. on impulse buys or on, you know, whatever. Impulse buys are the best. (laughs) If you have money for them. And then, so, you know, you look at that and it's like, hey, like these small purchases add up. So then once you've done that, you can kind of say, okay, well, normally I spend, you know, about $150 a month on gas. Okay. That's going to be my budget for gas. Okay. Normally I spend, you know, $150 a month on subscriptions and random purchases and stuff. Does this fit in my budget? Well, no, right now I'm currently at a negative 30 cash flow, okay, I'm going to only spend $50 a month on Netflix plus, you know, an impulse buy every month plus, you know, whatever my treat going out to eat. Okay. Currently I spend $500 a month on going out to eat. Let's cut that back. You know, you, then you, I, I think also people overlook, you know, those things may all fit within what your paycheck is, but you're never saving. So you've got to say, if my goal is to save up money for a down payment on a house, I need $25,000, okay? $25,000 in five years, break that down. This is how much I need to save every month. That goes in the budget and you pay yourself first. Automatically deduct it to a different account. Do whatever you need to do to make sure that money goes somewhere else. And I think one of the cool things that you've taught me is that that you've said, you know, it, it kind of, you've, you, you mentioned it before, but your budget doesn't have to be, I like to go 
um, to Chick Fil A. You know, however many times. Let's say three times a week. That's oh my a, gosh. Oh my gosh, that sounded like a lot. <laughs> that sounds. So- I feel called out, <laughs> but it was me calling myself out. Ooh, um, but even then, so okay, so so let's say yeah, I go to Chick Fil A three times a week. That's twelve times. A, oh my gosh, <laughs> twelve times See, a month. This okay, is what budgeting does. It but, forces you to come to but grips with saying your bad saying habits. okay, okay. I I want to go. You know, three. Uh, that's that's my norm. Is is twelve times a month? Okay. And then saying, well, so 120 well, bucks, call it. I can cut that down. Not, not like anything crazy. I could cut that down to two times a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that doesn't seem bad. I mean, that's still, still a lot of chicken. How many, how many times would that be? Like two eight. times a week. Okay. So yeah, that's eight. So that, and times we're saving four trips to Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. so like 40 bucks a month. A month. Yep. Yeah. And that's, and you could even take that money and take that and put it in savings. Absolutely. I mean, like, or, or you go to the coffee shop. Every morning that mm-hmm. adds up. I mean, you don't Buy think it is a super nice Keurig, and then but, but it it does add up. You know, like it's five dollars every morning, or sometimes if if you like certain drinks, it's like seven mm-hmm. seven bucks a drink, and yeah. that's that's it. It slowly and adds that's up. Thirty five dollars a week, which is a hundred and something dollars a month. You know, look at you doing math. One hundred and thirty dollars <laughs> a month, like and 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 if you even just take you know one of those trips mm-hmm. every week. Yeah, you and don't have to, like, go cold turkey. And I think that's the cool thing about, about budgeting is is you fit it within your means. And so you say, like, okay, you know, maybe to get, you know, if I'm at negative 30 in my bank account, well, well, let's take one of these trips. You know, let's take two two trips. You're still getting to go to enjoy things or, or buy things that you want, but you're taking that moment to think, hold on, do I really need this? And yeah what you know if i take if i don't if i say i can forego a starbucks today or i can forego a chick-fil-a today then you're you're going to take that money and you can put it in savings and then enjoy chick-fil-a when you're retired yeah <laughs> too. No, for sure and it is, i mean it's hard like i'm not going to tell you it's not it's hard but like if you want to be financially secure and kind of get out of those you know the trap of being paycheck to paycheck or worrying about things like it improves every aspect of your life but it is hard but you've got to make these sacrifices to accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish mm-hmm. later on down the road because I don't think you know if if I told you you know do you want to own your own home or go to Chick-fil-a three times a week like well you know nobody's gonna say you like okay this this owning your own home adds up to this many trips of Chick-fil-A like when you look at it like that it's like oh wow like yeah and that's... it's okay if you if Chick-fil-A <laughs> is what you want over owning your own home hey There's, if that's your priorities goal, are different you know but as long as you don't put it on a credit card <laughs> and you can pay for it in cash and you have an emergency fund i don't even care um but yeah i mean it's those it's those types of things like it's a zero sum game and that's what i like about the na- the zero based budgeting is is every dollar you use to one thing that comes out of the total amount so that's coming out of of the available budget category and then once that budget category is zero if that you know if, if you're out to eat budget is a hundred dollars a month and you hit that hundred dollars you know six days into the month yeah that sucks like you've got to eat rice and beans the rest of the month it's not fun and I've definitely done that you know before where it's like hey I want to go and treat myself to this nice place or you know whatever my miscellaneous budget, like I bought this thing that I needed, you know, for my kitchen or whatever it is, or my car, you know, tires, mm-hmm. I've got a flat tire. So my, you know, 
that stinks. Oh and my it, gosh, cars are so it's expensive. It's rough, but like you know, at the end of the day, being able to be like, hey, like you've got to discipline yourself, and then at the end of the day, you're still like, hey, you know, like I didn't have to, you know, go without a car or put this money on a credit card or mm-hmm. you know be not able to eat at all because I had to pay for this other thing. Like, like you've got to. Well, and I think another thing, I mean, th- that you've kind of stressed to me is, is, so I like to go out to eat with my friends sometimes. And there's always that awkward moment where the waiter's like, separate or together? Mm-hmm. And I always panic. And so I'll end up being like, oh, together. And then I end up buying both of our meals, which is like double the amount of money. Yeah. And, and so something that I've, I've learned and had to kind of come to terms with is it's okay to let the other person pay for their half of the meal. You know, it's okay to say separate and, you know, and it might be a little awkward or, or whatever, but you know, ultimately they're probably in the same boat and they're like, I don't want to pay for their meal either, you know? And it's okay to, to kind of, you know, if you do want to go out with friends or something like it's okay to, to pay your own way or say, you know, okay, yeah, we're going out to, to the bar tonight or whatever. I'm only eating appetizers. I'm, yeah, I'm only going to eat an appetizer or I'm only going to do one drink, even if everybody else is going to have, you know, more or yeah, do whatever. Yeah, I mean, people, like, kind of make fun of you a little bit, but then when they look and they say, oh, man, like, I'm struggling, like... Yeah. It, it helps in the long run. Yeah. Like, it's definitely worth it. And, and I think generosity is important, and, like, sometimes I think that's the... The hard thing about, you know, people get so rigid in the the budget or rigid in their, you know, you don't want to become, you know, so much of a Scrooge that if somebody's needy or, you well, know. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't happens. mean like that. No, I know. I know. But I think that's a good point. Like, but if you discipline yourself now, you get on a budget, you have savings, you're able, then you're able to help those other people. You're able to say, hey, you know, my friend is, is struggling. I'm going to take her out for lunch yeah. because yeah. I've been disciplined i've said no to these other things i've done this now i'm able to give back now i'm able to help these other people definitely so what do you think has helped you be successful Mm. both in in just in life in general you know career wise but also i guess in your finances right um i think my parents um just like being able like being raised the way i was like definitely i've been very privileged to grow up with parents who had good money habits and were able to impart those onto me so like they had a savings account for me from like a day after I was born and they put money towards a program that would help pay for my college way back before it was even close to that time and they taught me if you want to go out with your friends if you want to go to the movies or go out to eat like where's that money coming from you know guess you better get a job like you've got a car now how are you gonna pay for your gas you know like <laughs> like forcing you to think about these things early so that, that, that you build those good habits so I definitely think that's contributed to success you know I think education just being fortunate enough to learn about these things and like be be in that position and then I think just you know in general like you know, faith in, faith in God, um, and like kind of trusting him with my life and, you know, decisions. So like not, not just trying to do everything, but like being, being open to like, you know, doors that are open for me or, or things that he's like placed on my heart for like telling me, you know, what should be, what should be done in certain situations. Um, and then I just think like a strong work ethic. So like being, not, you know, even if, even if you fail at something or, you know, something's not going good, like having the mentality of 
not of, oh my gosh, this is hard or scary or whatever. Like, I'm just not gonna, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do this. You know, my job stinks, whatever. Like, I've definitely felt like that sometimes, but still doing it anyway. So, like, being resilient and still being like, hey, like, this sucks. Like, but still gonna do the right thing. I'm still gonna give 100%. I'm still gonna stick to my budget. Yeah, stick to it. Who were some of your mentors and how did they impact you? I know you, you kind of mentioned that you didn't have a lot of female mentors bosses. or bosses. Yeah, no, I didn't. Um, Mentors. So I really think my dad, because um, he was in business, he taught me, you know, from from a young age, like, you know, the, that you can do anything that you set your mind to. And he was, you know, a really big feminist on, you know, don't let yourself be defined you know, in these certain roles, like, if you want to, if you want to go into business, do it, if you want to do this thing that, you know, only men have done, like, do it, you know, and then just, you know, being able to be there for advice, because he is, you know, in business, so whenever I'm not sure of what to do, or I'm too blunt and abrasive, he'll kind of tell me, okay, this is how you should manage people, or this is how you should, you know, learn in this situation, so really lucky to have, have had him to show me how to, how to do things. What is the best piece of advice that you've gotten? Like, ever? Yeah. It doesn't... I mean, it could be about career-wise. Oh, my gosh. It could be there's about... so much. Because I love, like, clothes and things. So, this is, like, so... I think the best piece of advice I've ever gotten is there's no there's no shortcuts to life. So, whatever it is, you can... People are going to... If anybody offers you, you know, kind of, like, the easy way out or a quick whatever, you know this is the shortcut to happiness or the shortcut to wealth or the shortcut to fame, like, that's probably a lie or a scam. You know, like, there are no shortcuts. And character no. character matters. Mm-hmm. So if, if you want to do something, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it takes a long time, but, like, there's a, there's a quote. Basically, it says, like, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like hard work. Mm. It's like you've mm-hmm. got to, you know... Don't just be waiting for your dreams to happen to you. Like, set a goal, break it down, break it into manageable steps, and like go out there and do it. You know, and overalls are back in style, so you'll, be, you'll look cute. <laughs> I'm, It'll be great. Yes, I. That's a good advice. I I agree. Yeah. So there's that. no shortcuts. Character matters. Do the right thing, even when you think it might set you back. Like I've had one time. This was in my first job at the phone company. Literally, I worked uh, 0.5 hours overtime. They paid me for five hours overtime. So that's five hours at time and a half rate. I It was more money than I'd ever seen in my entire life on a paycheck. And I literally was freaking out. I was like, and then I was like, there's no way this can be right. On the and, one hand, it'd be like, that is great. On the yeah, other hand, it's so, like, Ooh. I mean, but then it's like, oh, like, and I had a lady at, um, at the bank. I helped her with her PPP loan. She sent me a check for just a crazy amount of money just as a thank you. That's against our ethics policy. And so it's like, you know, I tried, people tried to rationalize to me kind of like, hey, you, you did the right thing. You didn't do anything. You know, you're not going to get, you know, bribed or whatever, or in the, you know, the overtime instance, like, hey, they messed up. That's on them. They made the mistake. Like you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't steal it. You didn't do whatever, you know, but like, but if you take but that, you know, you, in your heart, like yeah. that it's wrong, you know, and it's so hard when it's hundreds and hundreds of dollars that you could have had that you're having to give back, you know, for whatever instance or, or whatever it is, you know, that, but, but it honestly, 
in in scripture it says you know he was or she who is faithful with a little will be given much. Like if you're faithful with small things, then you'll be faithful with big things. So if you're honest and ethical, when it doesn't seem like it matters, then if something happens, you know, and you have to be honest and ethical, you know, you've, you've had that practice in those, in those small things, you know, or if you, if you don't lie about things where it's convenient and easy to get out of, you know, you'll be an honest and truthful person later on. So I think I think just yeah that 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 those things are important and building character happens while you're on the way to do other things like you know everybody wants to be you know this successful person who's just honest and kind and generous and you know cares for people and all this stuff but like that just doesn't you know it's just like you don't wake up one day with all the money in the bank to pay for your kids college or pay off your house like if you do that's a mistake and you should alert (laughs) your bank (laughs) you don't wake up one day and just like wow i'm just this thoughtful giving kind generous person who you know is always honest and just is like has integrity and and character like you you've got to work at it but Mm -hmm. that's that's the most the most important thing that I think anybody could could work towards you know like whatever your job is whatever your goals are like the most important thing that you can work towards is is being a person of integrity and and of good character that you said I mean I had no comment you said pretty much like you, you hit Drop everything the mic. yeah boom please don't this mic is expensive <laughs> um all right if you could go back and do it again like knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. what would you tell your younger self? Go into banking earlier? No. <laughs> no, I mean I wouldn't. I don't think I would do anything different. You wouldn't tell yourself anything. You just watch from afar. I would tell. I would tell my younger self to just trust God and to not be so concerned about having a plan and so concerned about like trying to control everything because you can't control anything. Like I think that's like. A big lesson from the pandemic is like, you know, all your plans, every, like literally your entire life can change in a couple of days, a week, whatever, you know, so that's. Sometimes for the better, sometimes yeah, for the worse, that's, Yeah, that's what I would tell myself is, you know, it's good to plan. It's good to have goals and stuff. Just trust God and do, do the best you can. And then your so life's going to be, be something that you're proud of. What advice would you have for the girl who's who's you know listening to this and she thinks that's what I want to do like I want to go into finance I want to go into banking I want to do all the things like what, what would you tell her to do awesome do it read a lot um <laughs> learn about personal finance I literally I'll still even now like I've got a budget down pat but I'll still go like on to different you know sites and read about budgeting and stuff like that and like you know so yeah like read about budgeting um learn about finance take classes you know in in school about for business accounting finance all all of these things um and then don't yeah don't get discouraged you know just keep keep going don't let you know what people say get you down you know whether you're a girl a boy you know rich or poor or white or black or you know whatever the instance is you know able-bodied disabled like you know like any of those things like yeah it's it's hard and there have been systems in place that make it harder for some people than others but like the only way that that's going to change is if you keep you got to just keep going yeah well that's about all the questions I have is there anything else you wanted me to add 
I don't think there's anything else you want me to add because <laughs> I've talked so long. Um, no. no. Yeah. I mean, it's been interesting. I, I think it's been interesting to kind of get insight more on, you know, even the little things that you can do. It doesn't have to be, I, I think, you know, that's, that's the thing about finances is every little bit helps. Yep. Right. And so, you know, if you're like, maybe, maybe Your I don't have small. time to do something super crazy. I don't have time to, to, you know, look into talking to a personal finance person or, or, you know, whatever, but if you, or I don't have time to work on like a super rigid budget, but if you think I'm going to try to go for saving up that, that emergency fund. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to work for just, just, we're going to focus on getting a little bit of money here and there saving all my spare change and that's going to be my emergency fund and that adds up it adds up yep. i mean and and all the little things and then it's like okay I've, I've got my emergency fund then i can try the budget then i can try the next thing you know and then then you keep going and before you know it you're well on your way to to being able to to get closer to your goals no for sure. or at least that's that's what i kind of yeah got yeah no i mean i'm definitely the type of person who it's like all in a hundred percent like you know kind of very intense about you know if this is the thing that I'm gonna do then I am doing it but yeah you definitely don't have to be like that at all and definitely every little <laughs> bit helps and you know there's different areas of finance so maybe yeah maybe you want to you know you're really interested in stuff about retirement so yeah research that stuff learn about investments yeah. you know maybe you maybe you're really into um, you know, learning about insurance or mortgages or, you know, whatever. Like, there's tons of things that you can be... Taxes. Taxes are super interesting. Lots of stuff. And I don't know. I, I mean, and it might be confusing at first. But I think the point that you made is everybody kind of knows somebody, at least on some level, who, who you know, maybe it's your uncle or your yeah. you know, sister or your best friend. Or Google. Your, like, yeah, like, everyone and, has the internet or and, go to the and library. find somebody and who, who knows about finance who can explain it you know because it is kind of confusing when yeah. you first get into it and you're like I don't know what you know ROI and stuff is you know yeah. I mean return on investment um Good job. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but but it, it, it the words can get yeah. jumbled and and kind of either finding somebody to help you well, guide you through that people like for it to seem complicated because they like to seem really smart <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes i know business terms but but if you if you're having trouble with those terms yeah. reach out look to up, somebody and yeah reach out to people you know uh, dave the, ramsey budget you know method is is, is a really a... famous one okay um just i mean fidelity um that's where my 401k is at that they have like a ton of like just like a learning tab where it's got you know uh tons of articles on everything you could could ever imagine but yeah. but all of them i mean all of them have stuff like that okay. yeah if you have the funds i mean i don't know if there's like a personal finance class at the community college or whatever or you know go to half price budget it out or whatever budgeting <laughs> for dummies or yeah. you know whatever you don't even have to buy the book just flip through no just kidding <laughs> just kidding <laughs> but but I think I think that, that you've brought up some really good points today. And um, I just want to thank you for your time. And thank you for coming on this show. And thank you for being an inspiration to other women in your field. You know, I think it's important that you don't discredit what you've done and where you're at in life. Because, you know, yeah, you are young. And so you've got your whole life ahead of you. 
but I think you also have to look at, you know, where you're at now and be like, yeah, like, you know, I can make an impact and make a difference even in the smallest ways. No, I mean, I'm super, you know, content with my life, you know, up to this point, like I'm excited about the future and stuff. I think that's the important part too, is just finding contentment with, with where you're at, like recognizing, Hey, like these are things I need to improve on, whether it's you know, personally, professionally, financially, spiritually, emotionally, like whatever it is, like everybody's got stuff, you know, that they can improve on. So you need to recognize that and make a plan for it. But also just being content with like, hey, like, you know, some of the decisions I made may not have been the best, but I did the best I could with the information that I had at the time, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm, I'm happy <laughs> yes. with my life. Like there sure. are great days and there are not as great days, but you know, overall, like I'm super blessed to be here here yeah whatever you want to do whatever your you know goals are whatever you know you want your life to be like like you've got something to give to share yeah so that's good advice thank you very much we appreciate your time thanks for having me on the show and we will hopefully talk to you soon yeah you can come back and talk to me when i'm president of the bank (laughs) we'll be keeping an eye out yes Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time on Modern Day Rosies.